Welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast, a ministry of Locust Hill Baptist Church in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. My name is Michael Hodge, Senior Pastor at Locust Hill. At Locust Hill, we celebrate the change that God alone could bring in our lives, and we also recognize the calling to share that good news with others. Lives changed by Christ, changing lives by Christ. We welcome you to this podcast where we want to equip you to live in the reality of a life changed by Christ. Disciple-making is at the core of a church's calling, and we want to take advantage of every resource we can to encourage you today. We invite you to join us for a service Sundays at 10.15 a.m., Wednesdays 6.30 p.m. Our church is located at 5534 Locust Hill Road in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Our website is locusthillchurch.org. We want to welcome you to this abbreviated episode of our Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast. This week, we're only looking at one chapter in the book, Gentle and Lowly. Each week, since the very beginning of the series, we started walking through a couple of chapters, had some great conversations around the table. We appreciate everyone who has listened to the series. In our last session, we dove into a deeper topic as we wrestle with the beauty of Christ and the emotional life of Christ, referring to what Christ felt in his humanity, his compassion, his love. In this session, we're considering a topic a lot more familiar to all of us, commonly shared about Christ, the fact that he is our friend. And so as Dane Ortland opens a chapter, he talks about how friendship has been diluted today compared to what's observed in a lot of correspondence between friends in past generations. And, you know, we've all commented on the number of, quote, friends we have on social media. And yet we realize now more than ever how disconnected people are. Wow. And, you know, 50 years ago, people could not have imagined having the kind of connections that we have, regardless of where we are geographically, we can immediately connect across even continents, and yet you hear the consistent refrain, I just feel alone. And so uh, I think more than ever, people need this picture of friendship, of understanding who Christ is, having the friendships among Christian community, and so Christ is that tender friend. So that's the topic we're talking about in this chapter, chapter 12. So Jason, you kick off the conversation. So Matthew and Luke both record Jesus as he quoted the religious leaders calling him, quote, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So Katina, how did these apostles' backgrounds add to your understanding of this phrase, a friend of tax collectors and sinners? Well, to know that Matthew was hated by the public because he was a tax collector. And Jesus came to him and asked Matthew to follow him. And then, of course, Matthew's life changed forever after that. And that Luke was a Gentile. And he was hated by, you know, the, the Jewish people that they, you know, did not have anything to do with the Gentile people. And so that lets you know that Jesus, he didn't care what other people thought about if these people were hated or not, he befriended them. Mm -hmm. He went out to all people and befriended them. And so that just lets you know that Jesus is going to love us 
no matter what. And we shouldn't, when we're looking at our friends and people that we should love, we shouldn't worry about what other people think. We should look at what, how did Jesus love? Mm -hmm. How did Jesus find mm -hmm. friends? What did he, who did he befriend? So tied in with that, Sandra, I'll ask, what does it mean that Christ is a friend to sinners? It means that he enjoyed spending time with them. And it means that they always felt welcome and comfortable around him. The fact that Christ is our friend of sinners means that he is our friend and is waiting for us to acknowledge his presence and his availability. He preferred pursuing relationships that might lead sinners to God rather than quarantining himself from such people. Mm -hmm. He wasn't afraid to be known for keeping company with sinners because he came to save them. And God knew that all of us are sinners. I want us to use an image then from the book, and this is kind of a question for all of us to discuss. It really stood out to me even this morning as I was anticipating our conversation that image from Revelation 3 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So I want us to talk about what is that image of sitting around the table with Jesus? How does that image of dining with Christ communicate his love? And then thinking, what would the mood be like around that table as we dine with Jesus? So just what are some thoughts that immediately come to mind as you think about Dining with Jesus. I think undeserving. Undeserving, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, that humility to think I'm sitting at the table with Jesus. What else comes to mind? I immediately think about when when Jesus fed the five thousand and how much abundance was left over from just a little lunch. And so it just makes me think of blessing mm -hmm. and and how he fulfills um, he fulfills us, he sustains us, he, but he abundantly blesses. So that's what I think. Yeah, so I think, you know, going off with Tracy and, and Jason says, like, you're just sitting here looking at this table, you're looking at Jesus, and you're just like so overwhelmed and just so thankful. You just, you can't put it into words. And when you're sitting there with your Savior, you're sitting there with the one who has all the bounty, and the one who provides and sustains. It's just a surreal moment. It's almost electrifying. I even think about the way that I come to church often, you know. So when I go to a meal, uh, there's times you go to a meal just to, to get some, uh, to satisfy your hunger, just to get a quick bite or just because it's time. But isn't it wonderful to go to a meal where you know that you're just going, you're going to fellowship. It's going to be an incredible time of just being with the people at the table mm -hmm. and uh, I could just imagine what it would be like I really can't but as much as I can imagine what it would be like to just be hanging on every word enjoying the bounty enjoying the blessing but wanting more hungering for that conversation hungering for that presence and that's the way I want to come to church yeah. <laughs> it makes me think we just had a visitor one of my friends from Embu Kenya Malcolm Bogo and there was a time when he was in class with me in North Greenville and he fasted for like, I think it was like five or six days. Like it was, it was a really long fast. And um, I asked him, I was like, Michael, you look like you lose weight. He was like, yeah, I can't eat here knowing that my wife and kids back home are not eating. And so that always put it in perspective of like the sacrifice that he was having to make. 
But just think, those people, they get to pull up to the table and be filled. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mm-hmm. like mentally, all that so good. I want us to think about then sitting around the table. If you're around the table with family and friends, you don't rehearse what you're going to talk about. It just flows. Mm -hmm. So as we think about sitting around the table, what's the conversation like? What are you talking about as you sit at the table with Jesus? That was an image that came to my mind this morning. What do you think about? Honestly. Go ahead. Some of the best times that we ever had was when our family got together because we worked together a lot because, you know, Ray worked so much. And so just to get together and talk and laugh and I can just see getting together with Jesus, sitting at that table and just sharing the wonderful things that they've seen through what they've done, you know, the miracles, the the people, just in hearing him and, and laughing and loving and just... I. I don't know, it just makes goosebumps on my arms to think about doing that, you know, at the table with him. Yes, and you were going to jump in there. (laughs) It was going to be something very similar because, again, going back to our um, life group study of Mark, all the apostles had come back from being being out on mission, and they came back and, and they wanted to gather with Jesus and they wanted to sit around and talk about all they had done. Well, I can imagine those 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 apostles just like we would be, like looking at Jesus, saying, "Hey, done any good miracles lately? You know, <laughs> just like what's what's going on in, in your lives? What 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 are you what are you going through? What are we going through? You know, just like Mary and Martha. Mar- Martha stayed busy, but Mary said, "I'm going to just enjoy Jesus's presence." So, just those simple conversations about what's going on in your life today. You know what I thought you was going to say? You grabbed your cup, and I was like, he's about to say, look, Jesus, here's some water. He's like, boom, did you see that? I told you he could do it. Yes. <laughs> but you know, as we think about our worship, we see Jesus seated on the throne. We see you know, that image of heaven in our minds. But to think about sitting at the table with him, I think that changes how we worship because he's not a distant savior. We're seated at the table and maybe we need to reflect on that more. What is our conversation with Jesus like? Because it probably would feed into our prayer lives. Wow. It's going to move us from that very formal, you know, we, we should begin in, in worship, but we've got to move beyond just worship into that abiding relationship. So that stretched me a little bit thinking this morning, what's my conversation with wow. Jesus like around the table? Well, you say, go, ahead. go ahead. I can just picture like talking through things he took you through too. Like mm, just acknowledging go. like, hey, I saw you there. Right. That was so comforting to see you back then. And you just kind of going back and forth when he was watching you go through something right there beside you yep. too. So you kind of just thankful. Mm-hmm. And the thought that he wants to be there with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we can desire to be at the table with him, but he, his love, his compassion, and everything that he is, he wants to be there with us. And then also, too, the thought that he wants to be there with who we are, who he created us to be. Uh, so like as a father, when I would sit at the table with with my family, you know, there would be things that my daughter would share in her way. Okay? Usually there's going to be emotion behind that. Uh, there will be things that my son would share in his way, and usually there's going to be plans and building with that. Uh, you know, we come to God with who we are and he rejoices in that. And that's just, that's just amazing. So we don't have to change who we are to come to him. He created us to be that. 
I think that's a great point because we, I think if we think about that, sitting at the table with Jesus, we're going to do everything we can to, pre, to present a beautiful table, well-adorned, well-stocked, well-filled. And, and that's not what Jesus wants or expects. Right. He just wants us to come to his presence. He knows who we are. Right. We don't have to dress that up. And sometimes we, we spend more time dressing ourselves up to come to Jesus than we do just simply coming before him. I think a good image of that, we're recording this on the morning after our women's touch banquet, and we have an image of a women's touch banquet table. Oh, I can only come to Jesus if my table is adorned as beautifully as all of those tables were last night, and yet he invites us to come as we are. He receives us, he refines us, he changes us, transforms us, we don't arrive with everything all perfectly put together. So well, we'll and, you, and you think the things that you bring to the table that you're trying to adorn it with, and he walks up, and you're over here thinking, oh, my goodness, plastic tablecloth. Like, I put a, a flower I found outside on the table. And Jesus is like, hey, you know what? This is nice. I really, I really yeah. like it. You kidding me? <laughs> you want to be here with me? Like, <laughs> So then tying back into one of the quotes from the book, it says, In Jesus Christ, we're given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. So that's what we've been talking about, that image. And so Amanda, in what ways is Jesus Christ the perfect friend? Jesus is unlike any other friend. He knows us, and yet he still pursues us. And he still wants to be pursued by us. We can have absolute faith in Christ and his words that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He states that if I'm not ashamed of him, then he will not be ashamed of me. And that is a true friendship. The um, Orland brings back in Jonathan Edwards, a quote from him uh, in this chapter. And the quote is, he has come down from heaven and has taken upon him the human nature in purpose that he might be near to you and might be, as it were, your companion. Mm-hmm. So Michael, kind of closing this chapter out, how do you interpret the words sheer companionship that Ortland mentions on page 118, and what does the companionship of Christ look like? When I was reading these words, it read to me like a modern devotional. And it kind of shocked me that this was coming from the late 1700s. C.S. Lewis calls a lot of our approach to our writings currently as chronological snobbery, that we think that we've got the best ideas right now. And then you read a writing like Jonathan Edwards, and he's writing like we would write it today, this invitation, transparency to come before the Savior, that invitation to be in his presence. And so we see Edwards inviting us to share our heart with Christ, knowing that he's going to accept us. And so what does companionship look like? Ortland conveys the idea of going on a journey together. And that's something we talk a lot about. If we're going on a journey together, it means we're walking through some wonderful victories, but we're also going through some valleys. And he's walking the whole journey with us. He's not just going with us when everything is put together and refined and perfect and we arrive all put together. The friendship journey we're on with him, we're invited to walk with him each and every day. And so I thought just as a great reminder that we can go into the well of folks that are 300 years ago riding and receive just a depth of insight on what does it mean to know him as a tender friend. Well, great conversation. 
great images to carry throughout the day. And my prayer for all the folks listening is that we would take that opportunity to enjoy the invitation to friendship with Jesus because that's what he offers each and every one of us. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to sharing more from Gentle and Lowly in our next episode. See you then.